This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Sharon Sung. Sharon is the founder of Digital Nomad Quest, where she teaches people how to become financially free and to design their best lives. In this episode, we'll be talking about purchasing a small out-of-state rental portfolio in a pandemic and what you need to do if you're just starting to invest in real estate. This podcast was originally filmed for my YouTube channel, so hop on to youtube.com slash SeanPanREI to see more videos just like this one. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to the show. If you thought it was informative and engaging, consider subscribing to the podcast. We release episodes every Wednesday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. This episode is sponsored by Conventus Lending. Conventus is a hard money lending company based in the Bay Area and has funded over $2 billion over the past few years. We offer competitive rates and amazing service. And for being an Everything Real Estate Investing Show listener, you'll get a discount on your processing fee. So whether you're looking for a bridge loan for your next fix and flip project, or if you're looking for a 30-year fixed loan on an investment property, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get the process started. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have my girlfriend, Sharon Sung with Digital Nomad Quest, where she teaches people how to create passive income businesses to design their best lives. And in this episode, we're gonna talk to her about her recent acquisition of five units during the pandemic and how she got started with her real estate investing career. So Sharon, it's very nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So before we get started, Sharon, do you want to introduce yourself to let us know who you are and tell us what you do? Yeah, so I'm Sharon. I am the founder of Digital Nomad Quest. I teach people how to build passive income, become financially free, and design their best lives. So I do this through my YouTube channel, my blog, my podcast. Back in 2016, I quit my job, traveled the world for two years as a digital nomad, and built passive income streams um, through like Etsy, Amazon, blogging, and stuff like that. So coming back to the Bay Area, I ended up taking a full-time job again and I'm working on these side hustles and it's been really fulfilling teaching people how to basically do the same. Yeah, and what are some of the most popular passive income streams that you are teaching other people right now? Yeah, so right now, I feel like I talk about real estate investing a lot, like on my TikTok and stuff like that. Uh, I teach people Etsy, blogging, like I have courses on my website. So I teach like all these different methods. A lot of people ask, you know, where to start. So I created like toolkits for them about, you know, different income streams and how to pursue it. And like, if you have more time or more capital or whatever, which one to pursue that fits your situation. So I like to explore all these different channels because I'm all about diversifying and I feel like it's good to learn all these different income streams. Awesome. So let's talk about your real estate investing portfolio. How did you get started and what do you currently hold? Yeah, so back in uh, 2012, I purchased my first property at 22 in California. And then I purchased five more rental units in Texas during quarantine, actually. And how did you get started with that very first property at 22? You know, like when most people are 22 years old, they're not thinking about buying real estate investing, mm-hmm. like real estate investments. Yeah, so I graduated like when I was 21 and then I started my first job, but I remember I was just like perusing Redfin and stuff like at my job, which I shouldn't be doing. Um, But like essentially I was always interested in it because I think my parents taught me a lot about, you know, uh, being good with your finances, like teaching me 
different things like passive income and stuff like that. So they had invested in Antioch, which is where I invested. And they basically came up to me and was like, are you interested in investing in Antioch as well? And I was like, sure, because I had been interested in uh, real estate investing for a long time. But with this deal, I essentially just put my money in and I feel like they guided me through the process. Like they knew uh, it was a good deal and stuff like that. So I didn't have to do any analysis in that area. But after that deal, I feel like I, I learned a lot through studying like books and blogs and, you know, bigger pockets and stuff like that and going to meetups. And then, you know, with these properties in Texas during quarantine, I feel like you actually motivated me a lot to purchase because I've always been interested in uh, investing out of state and uh, you had done it in Florida and I learned a lot from you. So thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You want to talk about your first deal in Antioch and I guess what, do you, what did your parents see in it that made it seem like an attractive deal? Yeah, so back then, um, the prices had dropped a lot because of uh, the real estate crash like in 2008. So they were already cash flowing well with their properties. So they knew that that market was good. Actually, my friend, her uh, parents were investing there and she introduced us to like their the agent that they were working with. So thankfully they did that because, you know, my parents have investments there. My brother has an investment uh, property there as well. And then myself, of course. So just looking at the numbers and, you know, knowing that they've cash flowed well through it, like that's how I was able to get into the game like that. And were they cash flowing from day one? You know, I don't know too much about like their properties, but I, I know that they're getting rental checks. I mean, like, for every... your property. Oh, for mine. Yeah. Um, so for me, I definitely had to renovate it for a while. Like I spent $13,000 on renovations after I purchased it. So that took some time. I had to get, you know, tenants in and stuff like that. Uh, we did have issues too, like later on where we had to evict the tenant cause they were, they weren't paying. Like they were first late with the rents and then they stopped, stopped paying. They tried to sue me. Like it was a whole thing. So, uh, that took six months essentially to get them out of the property. After that, it's been smooth sailing. So like the new tenants that are in there, they've just been really good with the rents and everything. So it's been no issues. Cool. So since that time you bought that first property in 2012 to now 2020, like what do you learn in those eight years that, and what, what made you finally decide I'm going to start buying a property now? I feel like a lot was, you know, you, you kind of, pushing me to do it. So, I mean, I had wanted to do it for so long. Like I remember for the first year of our relationship, right? I was like, I really want to do this. Can you teach me like what steps I need to take, uh, who I should call and stuff like that. So uh, once we started doing that together, everything else, I, I just like understood how to do it. I just started calling the right people and then I started getting hooked. You know, after that first fourplex I purchased, I was like hungry for another deal. Ended up going on bigger pockets and like finding another deal and contacting a wholesaler and that's how I got that deal. So once you kind of figure out the blueprint, I feel like everything else just like comes naturally. Like you, you can just keep replicating that process. Yeah, it's funny because I remember when we first met, you were so interested in it, but there was like some invisible barrier that kind of stopped you from mm -hmm. actually doing it. Yeah. But then in my eyes, you know, I did it before. I've purchased multiple properties. I've sold multiple properties. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, dude, this process is easy. What was that mental barrier for you that when we finally broke through, suddenly like seemed like, the floodgates were open and you can just get any deal. Yeah, I think just being an introverted person, like I didn't like to, you know, call people. I didn't, I also didn't know who I should contact and stuff like that. Um, so honestly, like when you break down all the steps, like uh, that seem basic, right? But it's like when no one, when you haven't done it before, you, you just kind of feel like, oh, this seems like such a daunting process. Um, 
you know, you kind of going through it with me and being like, hey, like, you know, this person is an agent in that area, like we should call them. And then we, we start calling these people, getting the information that we needed about the the market and learning more about the market. I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's not that bad. Like you just need to understand the steps and have, you know, maybe have someone hold you accountable and stuff like that. So uh, that really helped for me. Yeah, I guess if you're just starting out, it can seem very daunting. Like there's many steps, you're going into a whole new like niche that you don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You may be investing in a a place you've never heard about, this random city across the country, and you're relying on all these people to not scam you on the way through, right? Uh, but I guess if you have someone to help guide you and know, all right, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three, then suddenly it seems pretty straightforward. And at the end of the day, maybe the hardest part for some people is just finding the amount for the down payment and financing the property. Yeah, I think that uh, once you learn the steps, that really is the the hardest part afterwards, it's like the financing, like under, like understanding what options you have and like having the amount of capital to put in it. But like before that, it was just, okay, well, what do I do now? So it's like when you have that person to help you or like once you understand the steps, it's not too bad. So right now you actually gotten pretty popular on TikTok. So she actually has like, as of this recording, like 107,000 TikTok followers, which is pretty insane. What do you think is like the most common excuse that people have from actually taking action and doing what they want to do yeah so my first video that got like viral when I, when i say viral it was like 1.5 million views or something like that that one was just a breakdown of my investment property purchase and everyone was saying man like you can't do that where i live type of thing like it's way too expensive in california and stuff like that um, i had to keep clarifying to people like i live where you live you know but i just invested out of state i think that um yes like it's hard to find cash flowing properties in the bay area it's like almost impossible now but um you can look to other markets and you know leverage your strength of you have you know a decent amount of capital you have bay area wages so use that and then try to research another market and invest there do you think that this whole process took a lot of your time to do in terms of like the investing in texas yeah yeah for me, like from start to finish, it took a few months actually, like the closing process took a while, but in terms of my effort into it, I, I was astonished because I felt like it wasn't as much as say building an online business. Like I have built income streams through Etsy and blogging and everything like that. And that takes a long time. Like it, it can take years. Like I think my Etsy shop, I spent two years on it and blogging, it's been five years. But, you know, buying this rental property, it's it's more about having the, the money to put in it and then like taking the risk of investing. Yeah, because there's a lot of people out there who are busy professionals. They work at these you know, tech jobs and they think that it's too hard to invest in real estate because you need to have a whole team. You need to spend a lot of time managing your property manager. Has that been the case for you? Have you had to spend a lot of time on the actual investments? Yeah, so I don't feel like it's that much time if you have a property management company in place. So now that everything's set up, it's pretty much set it and forget it. I haven't really had many issues. Like if there are repairs, property manager just lets me know, right? Like, do you approve of this repair? You know, or like a tenant's moving out, we're gonna get another one. Like they do everything. So as long as you have a good property management company in place, uh, it's pretty hands off. To your point, like that was one of the things that people were kind of hating on real estate investing for because they're like, oh, it's going to be too much work. Like wait till you have tons of repairs. And 
um, you know, it's going to be a hassle. They're just saying a lot of stuff like that, but ultimately it's been fine for me. So, yeah, I think once you actually have an investment, you're going to find out how bad it really is. And sometimes you'd be astonished that it's not as bad as you might think. Like the chance to get a worst case scenario is just as possible as the best case scenario, if that makes sense. So on average, you're going to have an average case scenario. And that usually means that you're not going to have these catastrophic repairs or crazy tenants. As long as you have everything set up and you're investing in the right place, it should be okay. Now, since you've started, you know, buying your own properties, you have created your own team, you know, out of state, out of your area, would you ever consider buying like a turnkey property or maybe investing in a passive syndication for these giant apartment complexes? Well, now that I understand the process, I'm probably not going to do that. Like I actually find it really fun to, okay, well my, my last property, right? I purchased it really cheap. I fixed it up. The property management company helped a lot with that. And then we were able to rent it out for good numbers. And I feel like now understanding the process, uh, I would totally just replicate that over and over again. It's also really fun and fulfilling to see like the progress when you buy like a fixer and uh, make it really nice. So I, I prefer that over just buying a turnkey property. Yeah, and I think one of the downsides of buying a turnkey property is that you're giving away a lot of the upfront equity. So what she did was she bought like a really like terrible property. We're gonna go over the case studies in a little bit, but it was very cheap. She had to put in a lot of effort. Like she put in more money in repairs than the actual property value itself. Mm -hmm. But now it rents for like, like almost $900. So it's an amazing deal on a cash flow perspective. And she could sell it and just pull out all the equity and then some, right? So it's, uh, it's like a flip, but instead of flipping it, she just held on to it. So it's, it's like a burr, I guess. The turnkey companies would do that and then sell it to you at top dollar to give you that cash flow. But you won't make a lot of appreciation there. So the reason why they do that is because there are some people who don't have enough time and then decide to just buy a property in this way. Which I think is fine for people who want to do it passively and don't want to deal with learning it at all. I just find it fun. I've always been interested in it for like 10 years now. So might as well like, you know, keep going. Right. And also it's a lot of work to create the team in the first place if you get unlucky, I suppose. So why don't you tell us your projects? Like let's start with the first one, second and third. Yeah, so the first one uh, was the fourplex. Well, it's not the first. It's the, you know, the first one out of state uh, was a fourplex. Uh, in Texas and we actually kind of did a lot of it together where we contacted a buyer's agent that I ended up working with, found him through Bigger Pockets, right? And uh, he passed us this deal actually and then I ended up taking it. Basically I bought it at $175,000 and put in 25% down payment. Um, after everything I cash flow about 700 a month but that's actually with low rents so with the four units I have three that are rented out at 500 a month and then one's at 595 so like right now I'm not raising the rents uh, because of you know COVID and everything. One of the tenants is actually moving out soon and uh, we might put on the market for a higher uh, rent but even with these low rents I'm cash flowing decently and with this tenant leaving it's also still cash flowing like after that person leaves so i think it's a good purchase because it's pretty low risk uh having multiple units and you know it still covers the uh, mortgage and everything like that even when that person moved out right so after that i purchased a single family home uh, for twenty three thousand dollars and then put in another thousand for like title and closing costs and all that stuff and then repaired it for another thirty three thousand ish 
So um, the repair costs, like you mentioned, were even higher than the purchase price. I cash flow about, I would say around 600 bucks a month with that one uh, after property management, taxes, insurance, everything like that. So everything I'm mentioning, it's after uh, mortgage as well, and then property taxes, insurance. Um, for the fourplex, it's also water and trash. Uh, but for, for the single family home, obviously I didn't get a loan, so I don't need to uh, account for mortgage. I don't need to, uh, actually pay for water or trash like the tenant pays for those utilities so yeah so I, I guess I'm cash flowing pretty well on all all three properties that I have right so the first one is close to 700 bucks a month second one's about 700 the other one's about uh, 600 so it's pretty good about 2k a month essentially yeah it's really good going forward do you think you would be buying more of the single family or more of like the fourplexes uh to me i think it just depends on the deal like if it makes sense um and it's in an area that i've i've understood you know maybe i'll continue investing in this market as long as the numbers make sense and it's in an area that i don't feel like i'll have a lot of problems um i'm i'm okay with purchasing a single family home or a multifamily. like i'm okay with it yeah yeah when i was doing my acquisitions i remember how hard it was to find that one single family house that made sense uh, but then when it came down to fourplexes, I found that the cash flow was a lot higher. And I was like, wow, like instead of finding four good single family home deals, I could just find one good deal on a fourplex and you know, it's four times less work. Um, I guess the con is in some locations, you do have to pay utilities for your tenants, mm -hmm. but in some places the tenants pay utilities. So if the water has separate meters, then it's easier because you can have the tenants pay for their own water bills. Otherwise, if it's just one water meter, then you as a landlord have to pay for all that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a disadvantage there. Now, what were your thoughts about closing on your properties as we started going into COVID? Like, were you nervous at all? Did you ever want to back out? Yeah, when I first started it, it was before COVID. So I was like, all right, let's chill. And then once that happened, I was really worried that, uh, you know, people became unemployed and they can't pay for uh, the rents and stuff like that. But I felt like I was in the process of the single family home. Uh, when more of this stuff went down with the quarantine and everything like that and I was like should I do this but then I thought about it and like the purchase price is so low that I'm like I'm sure I'll be fine and I would own it free and clear so you know I wouldn't have to pay for mortgage and stuff like that so uh, I just felt like it was very risk-free I'm very risk averse when I invest so I feel like you know, if everything went south with all my properties currently, like no one's paying rent and stuff like that, I would actually be okay. Like I would still have good, like decent income coming in. It would pay for um, the mortgages on, you know, the properties or property tax and insurance and everything like that. So I'd be okay. So that's the thing. Like I always try to stay safe um, and account for the worst case scenario. Now going back to your business, Digital Nomad Quest, like you're teaching all different kinds of passive income ideas and businesses what has been your favorite type or what and also what has been your most profitable type so my thoughts have shifted a lot and i feel like now i find it very uh fulfilling as well as lucrative to build your own brand when i was nomading and i was building these passive income streams i felt like i was just focusing on building up that passive income number um, not really building something impactful and I was just doing these one-off like passive income streams. Can you give an example for that? Yeah, um, so for example, Merch by Amazon, you're just listing like uh, shirt designs essentially, right? So 
if you don't know what Merch by Amazon is, essentially you create these uh, designs that can be put on shirts or hoodies and stuff like that. Amazon prints these designs on like shirts, apparel, and then fulfills the order, ships them for you whenever you get sales. So I'm basically creating a bunch of these one-off listings, not really building a brand, right? I just try to rank them on Amazon. It's kind of similar with Amazon FBA unless you are focused on building uh, the brand side of it, but like essentially I was just doing these one-off listings to get uh, passive income. But now like I came back from the digital nomad journey because I was thinking this isn't fulfilling. Um, I, I was making a decent amount of passive income at the time and my expenses were really low. I was living at the time I was in Southeast Asia and it was just super low where I was saving a decent amount of money. Like I could essentially retire but I just felt not fulfilled. Like I, I wanted to build something impactful. I wanted to grow my skills. I was seeing a bunch of nomads just chilling in Chiang Mai, like not really doing anything. Like their goal was just to relax and just have like their expenses covered. So I was like, I'm too young for this. Like I need to be more ambitious and build something. So like um, coming back, that was my goal to actually build a brand, build something that like can teach people something uh, inspire them to become financially free so that they can create the uh, the life that they want. And that's why I prefer building a brand uh, because it just feels way more in line with me. You know, it, it will be very lucrative in the future, right? So as you're building it up, your followers like care about what you're doing and you can create products, you can do affiliate marketing, uh, you can make money through ads it's going to be lucrative. Um, it already is like making money, right? So I don't regret, you know, all the other passive income streams, obviously, because I'm teaching people how to do those things. So I still think, you know, financial freedom is not the goal. It's the means to an end where you can uh, live a life true to yourself. So I still care about these income streams. Like I still think this is the way to go. Um, but again, building a brand is what I'm all about. Yeah. That makes sense. Like if you're just doing one-off passive income streams, like you're selling a product on Amazon, for example, FBA. And, but people don't know it's your listing, right? It's just some random person on Amazon selling this unique item and maybe it does well, maybe it doesn't do well, but how does that help you in the future? How can your, like, your fans, your followers help you, right? Support you and your brand. But what you're doing instead is you're creating content to help other people. So you have the blog, you have a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. now you're you know, big on TikTok, and I guess <laughs> you know, Instagram and whatnot too. And, that helps in the future because now you can tie in different products here, right? So if mm -hmm. someone wants to learn more about blogging, well, you have a blogging course. People can go to your website and buy your blogging course. Someone wants to learn about Etsy, you have that as well, mm -hmm. an Etsy course. So, um, and it's fulfilling because there are people who feel like they get value from your work. Mm -hmm. And you know, by now you post on TikTok, you get hundreds of comments of people who are supporting you. So that's really cool. Yeah, and I do feel like you can still build a brand through e-commerce and everything, obviously, right? So like. Amazon FBA, you can still build like a brand where you scale it to having your own website for it and uh, you know people follow the brand because they love like the products you create and stuff like that. So, so I wouldn't limit it to just content creation. Like I think that you can build a brand through e-commerce and stuff like that and still find it really fulfilling if that's what is your purpose. Now when it goes back to real estate investing, have you, like what was your biggest challenge mm -hmm. when it came to acquiring those properties? I would say just honestly taking that a leap I guess and calling all the people and figuring out all the steps to do it uh, that's really the hardest part of just um, taking action essentially I think a lot of people get scared of doing everything and they're, they're scared of making a mistake 
which is valid because I know people who have lost a lot of money through real estate investing, right? Um, things can happen. Like I know someone who invested into out-of-state properties like in Florida and it all went south actually because of the crash, the real estate crash. So I can, I understand like that it can be scary, but like for me, I was okay if I lost a lot of money <laughs> actually for that first deal. That was what I was, I was telling you too, right? I was like, this is like a learning process. So like that would be the amount I would pay for like a degree in real estate investing sort of thing, right? So if I lost all that money, it's like at least I understand it now. So that was the goal. Yeah, Rod Cleave say their seminars. So what do you think are your next steps going forward? Well, right now, um, I recently just finished paying off all the repairs because uh, they wanted to settle all the expenses before I paid it all off. Um, so that was a you know good chunk of money. I at this current time, I'm just gonna keep browsing um, and see if there's like properties I do want to invest in. But I'm not like impatient about it right now. I think it's going well. But in the future, like my goals would be to own overseas, like property overseas and be able to Airbnb them out and, and like visit them when I want to. It's pretty in line with my whole digital nomad journey. Like if I had properties everywhere and I'm cash flowing through them and I get to like travel, uh, that'd be the dream. So That's super sick. I have a friend. Uh, and his parents own a small condo in Hawaii. So once in a while, they want to go to Hawaii to just make sure that place isn't uh, occupied by any tourists and then they can just hang out there. So I think it'd be cool to have properties in like Eastern Europe, right? Southeast Asia, and then just yeah. be able to travel there and hang out in our place. Because you can work there, right? We have these, these platforms. We don't need to physically be in one location. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even when I started the digital nomad journey, I was like, I actually visited properties in like Greece and Portugal. Like I actually contacted an agent, they showed me property and stuff like that. And it's actually very affordable. I visited some that was like 50,000 bucks, like in Greece. So I think that uh, my next, like my first area that I would want to invest in overseas might be Portugal. I feel like it's definitely like a spot that is up and coming. It's like, it's the prices are still affordable but it's like definitely booming and getting more um visitors would travel except not now like during the pandemic but, right mm -hmm. i think it'd be interesting to see how much rent you can get from it and if it actually works as an investment mm -hmm. and then if not it would be more like a vanity thing you know instead of us buying a lamborghini or a sick car we can just buy like a small condo in portugal oh for sure i mean right? yeah, yeah to me like that makes more sense than purchasing lamborghinis and stuff like that like uh, buying a car is like a depreciating asset, right? I'd rather be able to make money off of it and be able to have fun. So I think investing overseas would be like really dope. I think it would be interesting to see like what kind of challenges we have as a overseas investor. You know, like are they going to finance us or do we have to pay everything in cash? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does the whole like transfer rate affect yeah. things and whatnot? So if anyone is watching or listening to this podcast and they know anything about investing overseas, definitely hit us up. Our contact information can be found in the description. Yeah. I think we would definitely like to learn more about that in the future as well. So another common you know, quote-unquote complaint that a lot of your TikTok followers have is that it's, it feels like an impossible task to save up that much money for a down payment, mm. and especially if they have a lot of debt already. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to those people who don't even know how to get started with that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of people asked about it too of like, uh, how do you make that much money? How do you have that much money for a down payment? Like people were assuming that I had, you know, parents that were paying for it and it pissed me off because like, 
I ended up, you know, working really hard at my job and, um, you know, saving a lot of money, doing part-time positions, building up my passive income streams, like building these online businesses, investing. Like I, I've done a lot of things. So uh, I hate when people, you know, discredit it. But um, uh, that's essentially what it is, right? So when I first started working, like my salary wasn't very high. One of the, I guess, hacks I did essentially was, you know, after a year, I moved to another position and then my salary just bumped a lot from that and I kept doing that. I know that's not like the best thing to do. I know it can affect too that like they'll see it on your resume that you know you've only worked here for this long like why is that but um, to me like that actually helped a lot as well uh, to increase my income and then it also started going in line with what I wanted so I would switch when I wasn't totally happy. Um, so now I'm in a position where I actually really like my job. It fulfills everything and I'm learning a lot. So that's, I guess, the, one of the advantages of kind of switching positions. After that, when I went nomading, I also took some part-time remote positions just to make sure I was able to transition to the digital nomad life and uh, not worry about expenses and stuff like that. So I increased my income streams already there. Uh, just looking on sites like, you know, Upwork, Craigslist and stuff like that and getting referrals. So, you know, look to your network too if you can find more positions that you can work in and um, bump up your income. As much as I was saving and reducing expenses like that, there's a ceiling for that. If you can increase your income sources, then you'll be able to save way more money. Um, so I'm all about that, increasing your income and reducing expenses. You know, then after that, I have all these cash flowing um, businesses going for me even to this day. And that's why I'm all about diversifying, like building those income sources. And ever since like, you know, I was younger too, like I always invested in stocks and ETFs. So like, it's good to do that as well. So just learning all these different things and building these income streams, it just makes you a lot safer and uh, be able to increase your uh, savings way faster. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess the key takeaway there is if you see an opportunity, don't be scared to leave your comfortable position because i mean i know that if you're in a job for five years or so you know your job very well it's, you know low chance you're gonna get fired and to change a job you have to learn all these new skills and you might be deemed incompetent for the first couple of months and it's a bad feeling but that's where the opportunity lies where you can get more income and yeah you, you can learn on the job too and don't be scared to take on extra work at, at night times and whatnot to build more, save more. Mm -hmm. And then once you have enough saved up, you can then buy some real estate. And I guess one another common question is how much do you need to have saved in order to start investing? Yeah, so I do get that question of like, when should I start investing? How much do I need? Uh, I do feel like everyone's risk tolerance is different. So I'm more risk averse. I prefer to have uh, a decent amount of savings and investments in other areas too and passive income businesses going to uh, feel safer. You gotta make sure you have your necessities covered, you know, high interest debt, uh, you have some decent amount saved up before you start um, investing. And then when it comes to investing in real estate, uh, usually a lot for like 20 to 25% down payment as well as closing costs. When you invest, you don't wanna put all your eggs in one basket. You don't wanna put all your money in there. So some people do it, you know, some people make a ton of money just like risking it all. I'm not, I'm not like that. So that's why this question is hard for me to answer sometimes. Like it, it really depends on you kind of. All right, give me a number that you think is like legit. Say they wanna put 20% down and I guess you need some more money for closing costs, interest reserves and whatnot. What is that like uh, number? Well, how much is the home you'd wanna buy, I guess? How much are homes out of state? 
Okay, well, it depends where you're investing, right? So the ones I invested in, it was like, one was like 175000 the other one was 23000 Um, So I guess if you're trying to get the, the fourplex, I ended up putting in around 45000 and then another 5000 for repairs. Um, you also need a, a lot for these repairs. So you want to make sure you have enough saved where, you know, the property management company came back like, oh, okay, these are all these things we need to fix. It ends up, you know, adding up. So you want to make sure you have reserves for that. It's hard to say, but like for that scenario, maybe you'd want to have double that, right? You want to have like maybe 100K or something and then you put in that 50K. That's just my opinion. But like, you know, I guess I had more than that. So I felt like, you know, if I lost this money, like it'd be education for me, it's okay. But again, it depends to, like on you, there's people also who house hack. So like in some areas, it's it's okay for them to be able to buy a duplex or something like that, rent out one of the units, and then be able to cover um, your mortgage as well as actually cash flow in some scenarios. And those don't even require that much of a down payment. You just need like a 3.5% down payment for an FHA loan. Um, so I've seen people get into real estate investing with not much money um, they might even just have like ten thousand dollars and they can already start so yeah i think it's going to be a lot harder for most people to buy and hold properties if you only have ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and I, I agree with you maybe having double the amount that you need, that you require so if your down payment is like 20k for 100k property then you should probably have 40k in the bank just so that you can put 20k as down payment you have a couple thousand for any miscellaneous repair costs and you also don't want to be cash poor right like it's going to really suck if right when you close on the property, you have no more cash in the bank, then suddenly economy turns, you lose your job, and you don't have tenants, then you have to make the mortgage payments, and you're going to get screwed. So yeah, I would say having double the amount is probably a very safe buffer. Do you have any final tips that you think you would like to give to the listeners or anyone who follows you on how to get started with real estate investing? Yeah, um, I guess with real estate investing, make sure... On top of that, right, you're building up your income streams and everything like that because putting getting the capital is usually the hardest part um, after going through the process. Um, and make sure you take action. So make sure you're calling a bunch of people, growing your network because your network matters a lot because those people can pass you really good deals that uh, you'll come across and it might be your winner and you end up cashing a lot from those deals. So make sure you're constantly calling up people, taking action. Um, and you know before you start make sure you have a decent amount saved by building up more income streams perfect and yeah definitely also do what you say you're going to do because the real estate investing field is pretty small and a lot of the people who are key players in a certain market know the other key players even if they're like out of state so just make sure you have a good reputation and you continuously do what you say you're going to do well thank you so much for having this interview today how can people get in contact with you yeah, so you can find me at digitalnomadquest.com. You can also check out my courses on uh, digitalnomadquest.com where I teach people how to build passive income through Etsy and blogging, how to get your first $1,000 a month online through those means. Uh, you can also check out my YouTube channel. It's Sharon Sung, my full name, so youtube.com slash Sharon Sung. Uh, as well as my podcast, the Digital Nomad Quest podcast with Sharon Sung. And then also all my social handles are under my full name. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time. This was very, very enlightening. Sweet. All right. Peace. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review to get updated when the latest episode comes out. A brief summary of this podcast can be found in the show notes at everythingrei.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.
Take care. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.